Jingophilia. Well, hello there, fellow Anglophiles, and welcome to Anglophilia. I'm Stephanie Callis. I'm Kaylee McMahon, and today we're going to be talking about a lovely little, mostly unknown over here gem, I would say. Oh, yeah. Filthy Rich and Cat Flap. Filthy Rich and Cat Flap. Love it. <laughs> Filthy Rich and Cat Flap is a 1987 BBC Two series that reunited most of the creative team behind The Young Ones, the show's obvious spiritual predecessor. Created by Ben Elton with additional material by Rick Mayle and starring Nigel Planer, Rick Mayle, and Adrian Edmondson, the show is an over-the-top, fourth-wall-smashing, extremely unsubtle satire of show business filled with sophomoric gags and cartoonish violence as well as topical political jabs and probably more meta-humor than any other show we've discussed on this podcast to date. As Rick Mayo put it, The Young Ones was a swipe at youth culture and lots more. And then we had a little bit of fame thrust on us, and so that's what we attacked next. Mm. Rick Mayo plays Richie Rich, an unsuccessful and extremely stupid comedian and TV presenter. Nigel Planer plays Richie's seedy, sickly old agent, Ralph Filthy. And Adrian Edmondson rounds out the cast, playing Richie's minder, the perennially drunk and violent Eddie Catflap. So, let's start from there. <laughs> I really loved looking at it and thinking about the young ones and bottom and how this is you can see this is like the perfect bridge between those two shows yes we're going to be talking about the young ones a lot in case anybody is for some reason listening to this without having listened to our episode about the young ones or god forbid having seen the young ones go back and listen to that episode so that you'll know what we're talking about but I yeah. love it so much because it's so proudly stupid in so many ways while also being mm -hmm. brilliant in much the same way. And while The Young Ones frequently breaks the fourth wall, I would say that Filthy Rich and Catflap just dispenses with it altogether. Yeah. They're always addressing the audience and always making references to, oh, well, this is the best joke that we've had in this episode, or, oh, this TV show isn't very good. It's so delightfully self-conscious yeah it's really really fun again it's very much like the young ones when like there's a great episode where it opens with nigel planer talking to himself and i thought about you know all the times that episodes open with neil just talking to himself and complaining and um the way that rick in the young ones will say oh that's just the kind of crazy imaginative thing that would happen around here <laughs> yes. isn't it and then you have just echoes of that Ugh, oh my gosh it made me really happy and is it okay to say it made me want to watch the young ones oh no, no no i mean it, it yeah. made me want to do it too but not in a way that's like oh that was so much better than this like because i want to go back and watch this again and well i think that would be a great I don't know if you can call it a double feature if it's two complete television series, but they definitely make sense as a pairing. Mm -hmm. And what I love about this show is something that I guess I find obnoxious in some other shows that are less up my alley, but it's like the exact opposite of pandering. Instead of making the show that they think that the audience wants to see, you can see that they're so clearly writing and making this for themselves to enjoy and nobody else. And oh, anybody yes. else who happens to like it, that's great. And in a way, that's kind of, I think, what we're doing with Anglophilia. We're making ourselves entertained and anybody else who gets it out there, we love you so fucking much. Thanks for being on the same wavelength as us, but we're not trying to be like, oh, what would most people like to listen to? Otherwise, I think we'd have a true crime podcast. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. I mean, I think it's safe to say there are moments where this show is definitely obnoxious. Sure. <laughs> I mean, in a way that I don't mind, but... Yeah, there were plenty of notes that just say these guys are so weird. And I mean it in the best way possible. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I, I know them and I love them, so I'm allowed to say yeah. it. But uh, yeah, plenty of moments where I just had to kind of 
like I stopped taking notes. I just looked at them and I was going, "You guys are, you guys are really weird people." But like they're having and, and, so and I much respect fun. That. I mean, mm-hmm. I just I love the opening sequence so much. It's one of my favorite opening theme tunes ever. It just makes me so really? happy. Yeah, you don't like it? Oh, I, I guess it just didn't really register. Oh no, to me as I I get it stuck remarkable. in my head a lot. And like that, there's that one shot of Rick doing like that jubilant twirl and then throwing his hat in the air. And it's just like, oh, there's just so much joy in it. And oh, I just, I love him and I miss him so much. And then there's that shot of Adrian just running across the screen in like a fur coat. And it just, it makes me think of little kids playing in much the same way oh, as the young ones did. Definitely. Do you want to talk about the characters a bit? Yeah, or let's. Are you gonna... okay. I mean, I think it's safe to say that, um, Nigel Planer is really the only one who's playing a character that is, yes. period, but also a character that is distinct from his Young Ones character. I think that he's yes, I... he's the best thing about this show. I love them all very much. They all make me laugh in equal measure, but, like, Nigel's really putting in the work of, like, acting. And creating yes, different. he was actually displaying a bit of range, because mm-hmm. to be fair, whether we're looking at Rick from the Young Ones, Richie in Filthy Rich and Catflap, mm-hmm. or Richie in Bottom. It's it's Rick Mayall being gross, <laughs> making his faces and shouting. Yeah. Which is wonderful. It's, but yeah. yes, that is that is what he's doing. And it's it's very similar with Aid, just the sort of anarchic slob guy who has horrible hygiene and often smashes things and tears down walls. Yeah, no, completely. Mm-hmm. It's very much I mean, their voices are pretty much the same. Obviously their outfits have changed and the type types of things that they talk about. They're not talking about social revolution anymore. They're talking about show business and themselves. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's basically, you know, Rick becomes Richie and and Vivian becomes Eddie. Yeah. So Ralph Filthy. So we've got Nigel Planer in a disgusting wig, which is <laughs> great like because it's a, it's a thinning yeah. wig. <laughs> the comb over, yeah. And, um, you know, he's always drinking and always smoking. Mm-hmm. And his office sometimes is an office and sometimes it's very much a storage closet of some mm-hmm. kind with cleaning products behind yeah. him. Says ridiculous things about how, like... He sneezed and his kidney came out of his asshole. <laughs> um, but he doesn't say asshole. He'll say bum or, or bottom. Yes. But he's um, he's Richie's agent because Richie's an actor mm-hmm. or was formerly an mm-hmm. actor and no one knows who the hell he is. And he's got a different voice. He's walking differently. He's kind of hunched over and he talks about how he's always dying. <laughs> I'm a dying man. He calls everyone yeah. daughter, which is just wonderful. He does? You didn't notice that? Daughter? I thought he was saying darling. No, he says daughter. What? <laughs> Unless I'm majorly mishearing that. I I mean, I hope you're right. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, no, he's just like, daughter, you, you know, your mother's got very sensitive hearing or whatever. Like, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's daughter. Wait, is he on the phone when he says this? Talking to his daughter? No, no, he says it to everybody. He says it to Richie and to other people. Oh man, now I'm now I'm worried I'm wrong. <laughs> We're gonna have to look this up and find out. I mean, I hope I hope you're right. He also <laughs> he associates. Okay, so the characters' names, the names of the minor characters or the unseen characters on this are, as I said, very not subtle. Like you see Ralph on the phone with people a lot of the time with people think, named things like Nasty John, Enormous Derek, or Immoral Timothy. <laughs> I love the nickname Immoral Timothy. Um, he also has a stage school, quote-unquote, which may actually be like a brothel for children. He's he's very he's a very shady character. Um, 
but I love him so much. One of my favorite episodes actually is the very first episode. Mm -hmm. We've got the opening lines from Richie. Morning has broke <laughs> like the first morning. <laughs> I am still sexy. Thank God for me. <laughs> this is classic Rick Mail. It, it totally is. He calls himself sexy very, very often, yeah. which which is funny. I wanted to talk about Rick Mayall's looks for a second, which Can I feel we? is a topic that we're usually down to, to touch upon, mm -hmm. um, whether we're recording or not. Yeah. Rick Mayall, they say this a lot in a, in a documentary I watched about him a few years ago, about how he was cute. Oh, yeah. If you are into pale thin, you know, English lads with the interesting, you know, sort of androgynous, cute faces. That's like, my only type. Go on. Exactly. Like, he's a complete babe, but that was not his currency at all for a second. And in fact, he was so good at just making disgusting faces that he really could disguise his good looks just when he was being funny <laughs> and I was watching him and he's you know talking about how he's sexy and the audience laughs because he's not sexy because he's got his pajama pants up to his nipples <laughs> and he's making his weird face he's purposely got this horrible haircut oh my god like a Johnny Depp in Willy Wonka bob oh yeah but it's shorter in the back and you see it's him shaving really... the back of his neck at it's one terrible. point <laughs> but I was looking at him and I'm like okay so you are a good looking man mm -hmm. posing as a not good looking man and it was like a victor victoria kind of thing <laughs> like in one episode where he's trying to be sexy it's like you are a hottie posing as a gross person posing as a hottie and you're pulling that's it off so right you're the you're <laughs> perfect that's, yeah there's so many layers to this it's interesting yeah. though because i have, have i've seen that same documentary that you're referring to and how he you know would make quote-unquote ugly faces despite being actually rather attractive but I, while watching this show, I had sort of the opposite feeling about his look, which is even when he's making stupid, ugly faces, he's somehow still hot. Maybe that's just me. But like, have you ever made, okay, have you ever made like dumb, ugly faces at yourself in the mirror just for funsies? Of course. Of course, because you're a human and that's what we do. So, yeah. So I do that too. And like when I make, this isn't me getting down on myself. This is like as it should be for most people. But when I make an ugly face... Like, I look ugly. That's just what happens. But when he's... Oh, no he matter, looks ugly. No, he doesn't. He always looks good. <laughs> Find we, me we a freeze frame where he doesn't look cute. We say that because we love him so much. Huh? We say that because we love him so much. No, 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 because, no, no, because there are other people that I love and I can still, like, see them from certain angles and go like, ugh, ugh, that's really bad. But his face just, it works for him so well. Like, I don't know. I don't feel that way about pretty much anybody else. It's just that he has... A face that defies ugliness no matter how hard he tries. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Okay. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe Ralph doesn't say daughter and maybe Rick is ugly to everyone. No, 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 no. Because I, I wondered too, as I was having the Victor Victoria revelation, I thought, but I still find him attractive, like no matter what his face is doing. And so then I just, just to be fair, I thought, okay, but let's back it up. Do I still find him hot? Because I know at the end of the day, he's Rick Mayall and I love him and... He's so funny, which is hot. Of course, always. of course. What, no matter what you look like, if you are that funny, I want to fuck you. No, I, is, I understand that, and I've that. thought yeah. that too. But with Rick specifically, I think his face still looks good. I Like I said, there are other people that look ugly in certain angles, but he just, I don't know. I don't know. 
But yeah. Um, so okay. So Richie Rich talking to the camera at the very beginning and addressing the audience. It just I wrote the note. He's like dumb fleabag. <gasps> right. Oh, that's great. He is like dumb fleabag without any of her charm or insight or wit. He's just he's just saying whatever's on his mind and expecting us to be on his side but okay that's a, that's a good point yeah i do want to talk about the pilot because it's so fantastic but also let's talk about eddie um yeah basically vivian too but with uh v- vivian with too, and a perfect precursor to uh in bottom he becomes eddie hitler yes <laughs> still named eddie mm-hmm. still kind of the drunker grosser poorer mm-hmm. scarier more violent you know, perpetually all of those things next to next to Rick. Yes. He's basically Richie's live-in bodyguard slash best friend by default because Richie doesn't seem to have any real friends, but he yes. hates him. They hate each other. Mm-hmm. And he has a lot of the same sort of Vivian antics of like, what is it? He smashes the television set because he's bored. Some of the final moments of the show, he's just tearing down the flat, mm-hmm. just tearing the walls down. So those are the three main characters. There aren't any other recurring characters. It's a very small world. Two very high-energy people and one more low-energy, low-key person balancing mm-hmm. out the show. And then little guest stars here and there. But, okay, so so in the pilot, I love this. The plot yes. is that Richie murders five people. I mean... He's it, killing milkmen yes. by accident. Yes, so first... A milkman comes to the door and Richie is caught in a compromising position with Eddie looking at his pants for, I forget exactly what reason, but he suspects the milkman of being a tabloid journalist and so then he murders him. He smashes a milk bottle over his head and then hides him in the closet and that's their solution for dealing with that. Well, you say compromising position, but I was actually surprised by how graphic it was. So... Richie and Eddie wake up in bed together. Eddie has snuck into Richie's bed. Mm -hmm. And then Eddie makes a throwaway comment about how he's got a rash on his junk. And then Richie gets worried that the rash on Eddie's junk may have spread to his bum. It kind of reminded me of Let Them Eat Cake. Mm -hmm. When Don French is looking up Jennifer Saunders' skirt to check for what have you. Mm -hmm. You've got Eddie kind of lifting up Richie's robe from behind. And then he's checking for a rash on his bum so when the milkman walks in it looks as if he's got Richie having his ass eaten by a man I was really surprised by like of of all the sexual acts that I've seen people kind of clumsily oh no it's not what you think in in a comedy I'm like ass eating here we go that's very au courant that's (laughs) funny see I guess I didn't because his face is too far away for it to actually be making contact i thought it just looked as if he's just looking at his bum which is still a little bit naughty but his neck but... his neck's kind of going back and forth he was okay he was okay sorta... fair, enough. Yeah, fair enough i was surprised by how graphic that was yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. really funny hey man anything goes uh so that happens they've got a corpse in the closet and then filthy comes over and says to richie that he's in big trub and that's something that i love about this show is how much they shorten words to one syllable. It's it's a whole thing that they do with so many great things. Like, oh no, I'm going to go to Priz. It's a very obnoxious showbiz thing that is so ubiquitous. And they, mm-hmm. they spoof it perfectly here. So he says, you know, you're going to be in big trub. And they go through like this big, maybe I'll play a clip. Richie. <laughs> yes. You are in trouble. Ooh. 
<laughs> trab. Big trab. How big? Bigger than the biggest laugh Tarby ever got. <gasps> well, it's the biggest one about the sheep he did at the Falklands War gala evening where everyone thought the cheeky chap had gone just a bit too far. <laughs> Including that one. My God, that's absolutely colossal! I'm telling you, if you were to take all the best bits of the world's true greats yes. and construct out of them the world's best comedian, Bernard Manning's trousers. <laughs> Paul Daniel's catchphrase. Ken Dodd's haircut. Sid Little's timing. <laughs> Eddie Large's uh, Eddie Large impression. Jimmy Cricket's funny Wellington. <laughs> if you want to take all those wonderful, wonderful elements and then give that comic the world's best gag. Which would have to be Thatcher's 79 election promise to cut an employee. <laughs> <laughs> believe me, Luby, the laugh you would get would still not be as big as the Trump you are. <laughs> and so he says that Richie is going to be the defendant in a paternity suit. Yes, he's gotten a 17-year-old girl pregnant. Yes, and then <laughs> Richie is caught between not wanting to be a father and have to take responsibility for this child and not wanting to admit that he's never actually had sex with anyone. <laughs> so he, yes. you know, pretends that he is guilty of doing this. And again, just watching him be... An ashamed little virgin is an echo of the young ones, but I'm I don't He's... mind that they're reusing the same thing because it's always funny to watch Rick Mail pretend to be a virgin. He's a virgin in bottom too. Yeah. Why is he always a virgin named Rick? It's so I know. Cool. It's uh he had a type, man, but it worked. Why why it... ever stop? I know, I know. It's, it's so oh, speaking of why ever stop, a quick interjection. Mm -hmm. So the show was written by Ben Elton, mm -hmm. and I love seeing Ben Elton in several shows make fun of how much he hates Shakespeare. <laughs> he does it in Blackadder right. when Blackadder punches Shakespeare. And then he's got a whole show now, Upstart Crow, mm -hmm. with David Mitchell playing Shakespeare. And there are all kinds of jokes about how he's overwritten and, you know, overblown and this and that. Mm -hmm. And there's a moment in the pilot where Richie says, get me my big beloved Shakespeare book. And he says, Eddie, this is Shakespeare. Everybody knows Shakespeare is. And Eddie interrupts and says, crap. <laughs> and I love that. I love that Ben Elton's always been on the on the warpath yeah. versus William Shakespeare. It's very, very funny. Mm -hmm. So anyway, there's another knock on the door. Eddie answers it, jokes that it's the stork because, you know, <laughs> Richie has apparently knocked up this young girl. And then <laughs> Richie kills, he like, does he have an axe? He puts an axe in his head or some sort of, he definitely murders this second milkman believing it to be a stork. This is the most milkman-shaped stork I've ever seen in my life. That was a great line. It's it's so funny. So then he's got two dead milkmen, and <laughs> they come up with a plan for Eddie to take Richie's place in the paternity test so that it will come back negative. And meanwhile, for Richie, as an alibi, or to avoid suspicion from these missing milkmen, to dress up as a milkman. And then in doing so, he accidentally runs over two more milkmen with his milk truck. So yes. he's murdered four milkmen at this point. And he does not show any remorse. None. I wanna, yeah. No, absolutely. And that's one of those things where as stupid and over the top as it is, there's some pretty fun commentary about, you know, the different standards that they have for the rich and famous. 
And the way that the episode ultimately concludes is that they are dumping the bodies in the river. So then they kill the person who helped them dump the bodies in the river too. So, so like what other comedy starts with the main character murdering five people? That's even Dexter, which was a drama about a serial killer. He maybe murdered like one or two people in the pilot. Like he paced himself. Right. But um, there are police who show up and they say they're doing important police business. And they also are dumping all of these other bodies. And then they have a great little moment where they address the camera again and say, all right, cheap knock at the police, but you try getting out of a stupid plot like this. No, it was a, it was a cute episode. I, I love when they when they when he kills the second milkman and there's the line one milkman. Maybe you could laugh it off. Friendly joke. Faults on both sides. But two. (laughs) It's true. Yeah, how is killing a milkman a friendly joke? Yeah. I also, I wanted to bring something up. And you see it in The Young Ones. I'm sure we'll talk about it when we watch Bottom. But, you know, we keep using the word childlike, Mm childish, calling them children. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They are. They are children. But it's not just the things they say. It's not just that everything is a fart joke. Like... Every time a doorbell rings in this show, whoever hears it kind of waves his hand in the air as if he's fanning away a fart. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like I said, Filthy talks about sneezing his kidney out of his bum. There are all kinds of, you know, bum and whatever fart jokes. Mm -hmm. But their physicality is just, I think, one of the most standout childish things is when there are moments like they just shout, let's forget all our problems and party. And then they start dancing. It's very reminiscent of the Bambi episode at University Challenge when they're all doing that incredible dance on the panel. They just kind of start jumping around and dancing like kids as if that's how adults party. But they're like little kids. And that line actually reminded me, I've got a home video of my older brother and me when we were kids. And I I make up this magic trick that's not a magic trick at all. And then I say, ah, whatever, let's party. And I just start like (laughs) dancing around the room, like with my my hands in the air, just a little kid so excited to be inside of a human body. Mm. Like that's, that's Rick and Age to me. Oh, I know. Is just, you you actually would have to like babysit them. Mm -hmm. If you were in the same room as them, you'd want to make sure your house was childproof. Absolutely. Padded walls. Oh my God. (laughs) Completely. Oh, I did want to say one more thing just about the milkman thing. The laughing it off is a friendly joke. That also just reminded me of in our first episode of this season, Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, when Dean was talking about, I don't like to see anybody die. But if someone's got to die, it might as well be techies. It's that Mm -hmm. prioritizing of certain people over others based on their profession and it's really great <laughs> yeah um, yeah did you have any favorite episodes of this show here's a kind of an administrative question so at the beginning of every episode i like that the stupid graphics appear in the typewritten font that say just episode one mm-hmm. episode two but i watched these on youtube they're all on youtube if anybody hasn't seen mm-hmm. this or if anybody needs to rewatch it and youtube gave titles are these real titles i couldn't see titles on imdb yeah i i had that same same question. I'm not exactly sure if okay. they're official legitimate titles or not. Well, I then. could have checked my DVD, but I so this is one of the shows that I bought on DVD, but it's only on region 2. And while I do have a multi-region DVD player, I don't have a television. It's like a one-person version of Gift of the Magi. I I have I wasn't able to go over to someone else's apartment and hook up my DVD player to their television to watch this officially. So I also had to resort to watching them on YouTube. Got it. And you know, this is a show 
that unlike with the young ones, when I was very briefly pissed off that it wasn't available on Region 1 until I found out that obviously it was, I just had to buy it on eBay because it was not in print anymore. But this is one of those shows that I understand why it's only available in the UK, even though I love it and I know other Americans that would love it too. Whereas The Young Ones is very timeless, despite being so of its time, this is so tied to so many specific, like, local, not local, but, you know, UK references and references that are topical. Like, they drop so many showbiz names that never made it across the pond and across oh, yeah. the decades. You can still understand the joke by context, but it's uh, it's not really meant to be enjoyed by us, I think. It's something no. that... I understand why they wouldn't necessarily be able to sell it here. That's a really good point to bring up. Yeah, but I do recommend that anybody who hasn't seen it seek it out on YouTube. If you if you enjoyed the young ones, I think that you would also enjoy this. It's got that same really manic energy and completely unabashed silliness and spirit and joy and crazy dancing. It was weird though to see that same unabashed silliness as as you just put it very well, mm-hmm. uh, apt. Um, in the young ones, I mean, with the rare exception of a time they go to the pub or when they're on the train to university mm-hmm. challenge, they are in that house. Mm-hmm. Whereas Richie and Eddie get out of the house really quite often. There's, I don't know if there's an episode that takes place just inside Richie's flat. Right. They're out in the world operating, <laughs> much like um, Richie, Richie Richard, or I forgot Richie's last name in, in Bottom, but uh, yeah. R- Richie and Eddie in Bottom are always out and about in the world. And it was interesting to see all of them interacting with just regular people. Yeah. And so one of my favorite examples, you asked me a favorite episode. I liked the fourth episode, which mm. is listed on YouTube as a death in the family. Yes. Richie's always out of money. There's always some kind of scheme to get money. <laughs> and if that has to involve going to a hospital where his estranged father is allegedly dying and waiting for him to die and then realizing, oh, he's taking too long. Let's kill him. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's the plot of the episode. So I loved when they were in the hardware store buying rat poison. (laughs) Is this enough to kill a really, really big rat? Mm -hmm. Well, how big is the rat? It's maybe six feet tall. (laughs) And then it's just this old man behind the counter going, what? Um, Okay. And the old man pulls out six cans of rat poison and says, this is enough to kill an elephant. And I love the way Eddie's like, did you hear that? He thinks we're trying to kill an elephant. (laughs) But then they go into a bar to try to find some some kind of thuggish dudes who will just kill the old man, and they don't realize they're in a gay bar. I love that. <laughs> and then they get, like, beaten up and thrown out. Or not beaten yeah. up, but, you know, forcefully, yeah. physically chucked out. And that has one of the dumbest slash kind of cutest endings, too, because I kind of feel like the structure of this show, it'll be kind of meandering. And then in the last couple minutes, it's like, oh, very intricate plot. Let's execute this now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's true. And then they have to wrap it up really quickly. So, like, in the end, Richie happens to get a letter from his mom, who he has not seen in years, and the letter says, the man you think is your father is not actually your father. (laughs) The guy I'm living with now is just my most current sex slave. I've included your birthday cake for next year so that I never have to see you again. (laughs) Which I thought was very, very funny. And then they cut into the birthday cake and it explodes. Yeah. I like what you said about the structure of the episodes, because unlike something like, say, a Faulty Towers, where it's like a classic sitcom farce formula and there's one plot that is driving all of the action and then this leads to this and this leads to this. These are sort of more meandering, as you said. They're kind of episodic. And it's interesting that even though this show only lasted for six episodes, it really does feel like more because each episode Mm -hmm. could be 
two or three episodes because it's like there's a sort of subplot for the first 10 minutes and then for the next 10 and then for the next 10 and then oh everything gets wrapped up in a neat little bow within like 30 seconds of exposition at the end yeah and sort of like with the young ones how the whole first third of Bambi is just their excursion to the laundrette and then once they're finished with that then the whole university challenge thing begins so it's Mm -hmm. like each act of the show has a completely different point to it my favorite episode i think is episode two which starts with richie having a guest appearance on a game show called ooh uh, sounds a bit rude (laughs) <laughs> which is basically blankety blank, which is basically mm-hmm. match game. Oh God, it's so funny. There's so many great cameos in this. First of all, there's Chris Barry as the director in the control room who is yelling nonstop. He breaks so many pencils just being angry and screaming at the person to, you know, have a close up on this person. And, you know, Richie is going off script and being really obnoxious and hogging the screen and giving Chris Barry a heart attack off stage, which is wonderful. And then each person has, you know, a specific type. There's the the over-the-top gay guy who's making funny little gay jokes, and then there's the woman talking about her pussy, and talk, you know, which means her cat, but really means something else. And that's, like, the first ten minutes of the show. And then... <laughs> after he's ruined the episode go ahead you brought up the gay guy he literally says i'm a homosexual isn't it hilarious hilarious? yeah (laughs) yeah no it's so it's so great yeah at the end when the episode has devolved into chaos thanks to richie's antics everybody is pushing in front of each other to get in front of the camera and that's when he says i'm homosexual isn't that hilarious so good Mm -hmm. and the host's name is ivor whopper which is excellent And so then after he's ruined the episode, he breaks into the dressing room of the Nolans, which is a a singing group of four sisters who were famous in the 70s and 80s. And um, he is he calls them my favorite four tissue fantasy. And Mm -hmm. he uses their lipstick and their shower and puts on one of their dresses and is singing to himself and being like his his most like Rick male excellent self. And then they walk in, catch him, take a picture, and blackmail him for a thousand pounds, which is hilarious. That <laughs> a group of famous people are blackmailing another allegedly famous person within this universe for such a paltry sum. But, um, uh, but then, Kaylee, yes, do you think men actually uh, put on women's clothes when uh, when the woman isn't looking, and it's not because they want to be a woman or because they are a woman it's just like uh, this is hot i'm sure they do you are they must yes <laughs> well clearly i mean if it happened on this show it must be because it's happened in real life somewhere right i don't know i don't know i don't know uh, anyway I don't, continue that's great so then the rest of the episode is a quest to find a thousand pounds first filthy comes over And he has just made a thousand pounds. His cleaner is apparently an artist and he was able to sell some of her art in Hampstead. And they try to rob him. And there's this great line of dialogue, such like perfect Ben Elton dialogue. Right, filthy! Hand over the cash or you'll be pushing up daisies in a concrete overcoat dumped in the canal with your pockets full of pebbles. Getting carried out of here in a box. And then the money gets flushed down the toilet. They decide that, oh, well, we'll just sell art like this cleaner did, and that's how we'll get the thousand pounds. And, oh, God, this is where you see another of my favorite little jokes in the entire series that reminded me of, like, the little tiny cutaways on the young ones, like, um, don't look at me, I'm irrelevant. Just little gags like that is you see this person carrying newspapers, and he says, extra, extra, I'm an extra. And that's his only one. <laughs> yes. It made me laugh so hard. That's, like, the perfect kind of meta humor that's just so silly. Other notable guest stars, we have Fry and Laurie as 
Art critics Pufardi and Nobend. Mm-hmm. Again, not subtle at all. No. But they have made a bet that they could find the worst artist in the world and still make him be famous and sell his art for a lot of money because the people in the art world are so suggestible and easily manipulated. And Eddie, as Eduardo Catflapo, becomes a famous artist by, like, burping and selling his burp and selling his pants for 500 pounds. Um, Mm -hmm. And then again, that episode wraps up with, I bet you never thought we'd get out of that in half an hour, but we did it simply by being stupid. That sums up the whole series perfectly. And then that fantastic dance Mm -hmm. party, like you said. Dance party! Mm -hmm. I liked how, really similar to Vivian, specifically, the Ada Edmondson character in in the show, Eddie, Mm -hmm. for as stupid as Richie obviously is, Mm -hmm. Eddie gets the sort of more feral uh, subhuman character. (laughs) He's dirtier, he's filthier, he is oftentimes intoxicated, you know, more more feral. He's got a rash on his junk and we don't know how it got there. Mm -hmm. But just like with Vivian, he gets a great opportunity to rant about the BBC Mm -hmm. and it reminded me of Vivian's epic rant about the good life. Yes. Again, it's not as evident as in The Young Ones with a lot of the social and political commentary, Mm -hmm. but they don't just make fun of rich people by naming a character Richie Rich who is obsessed with money. They also really go at the BBC in a way that made me go, did this air on the Beeb? I assume it I assume it did. Do you know? Yeah, it, yeah, it, it did. must have. It did. Yeah. I just thought, wow, they're really going after him. They're calling in one of the episodes when they have a meeting with like a fat BBC guy. He's got a giant pillow down the front of his costume, like a very <laughs> fake gut. And they call him like a misogynist and he rips them off very blatantly right. and, and his name complete... is Jumbo Whiffy. <laughs> yeah, he's a complete criminal and he, he works on the network that is supporting this show. I kind of went, whoa, you alternative comedians, you go for the jugular. Yeah, well, it's kind of like what we said about how the young ones had a big following of cops, despite always them making anti-cop humor. And in Mm. this, yeah, it's that people, they don't, they don't see themselves or they want to be in on the joke or they don't want to be seen as being too sensitive. Like you said, this is less overtly political than the young ones in a lot of ways, but they do have little things like there's a Rupert Murdoch character in the last episode called Dingo Walker. Yes. He has his editor on a literal string and he pulls him through the wall and he says, well, that's how I know that he's always going to be at my beck and call. I forget what the exact line of dialogue is, but... Okay, so wait, in episode three, though, you had mentioned that they get out of the apartment a lot more... And I just like some, I liked seeing them out and about in the public. Richie has tried to organize a dinner party for all of his fancy showbiz friends and fellow TV game show presenters and, and other people that he wants to rub elbows with. Of course, at the end, it turns out that he has forgotten to send out the invitations and so no one shows up. But first he goes to news agents and they steal a magazine to get recipes. And they're taunting the woman behind the counter because they say, oh, your scene is finished. Just five lines and you're done. So stop crying. Yeah. And then they go to the supermarket. And of course they have no money because celebrities don't need money. And it just, them watching them do something as simple as buying groceries, it makes me think, well, it made me think of Peep Show and how you said how great it is that one of the episodes of Peep Show just starts with characters doing something completely ordinary, like going to the supermarket. And also Mm -hmm. made me think of Mr. Bean and how it was always so much more satisfying to watch Mr. Bean do something extremely normal, like making a sandwich, as opposed to doing something completely wacky, like accidentally kidnapping a baby. Yes. Because you can see how these specific people are doing something that's so ordinary. Um, Mm -hmm. Or like how the young ones would go to the laundromat and that's like 
an event you know it's like a it's like a whole saga that's worthy of 10 minutes because it's an epic adventure because these people are such fuck-ups yes and there's also some great little examples of I guess alternative comedy or like almost anti-comedy like there's this display of cans and Richie says wouldn't it be funny if someone knocked those over (laughs) and then Eddie knocks them over he says no that wasn't especially funny and that also made me think of that line in Father Ted like wouldn't it be funny if we had to take care of a baby oh no I suppose it really wouldn't actually be that funny yeah it's true because knocking over cans in real life not that funny Raising a baby in life, not that funny. Yeah. Oh, it, it's when they go shopping that I have the note in all capitals that just says they are so weird. Oh, yeah. I don't remember what they're doing specifically. Well, Maybe just the way they're walking through the supermarket screaming. Well, Eddie tries to steal things by putting it all in his trousers, which is impressive that they can fit that much food. <laughs> There's oh, so yeah. much meat. Yeah. And <laughs> Ooh, Eddie uh. picks up a pork chop and says, just look at this little, or no, a lamb chop. Just look at this little lamb chop. It was probably once a pig. <laughs> that, that is that is the dumbest shit <laughs> but did it make you laugh that's the question i wrote it down exactly. it inspired me somehow exactly yeah oh god yeah and then also at the end after he's forgot to send out the invites and nobody's come to his sad little dinner party it's just the three of them then of course the oven explodes apropos of nothing it's just uh it's just so silly every silly thing that can happen in this does happen oh god yeah they refuse to pay for the groceries because richie says i shouldn't have to pay i'm famous but it doesn't work and that's when eddie puts all these like frozen chickens in his pants (laughs) and then richie's convinced that he's gonna go to prison (laughs) but then filthy gets him a gig in like a seedy like strip show like a peep show he gets him a stand-up gig in a peep show it's so yes. it's so weird. There's there's a real yeah. um you know again we keep saying childish and of course there's the odd sex joke in the young ones as well but in this one they're really leaning into some underbelly shit like the smoking and drinking is a lot more at yeah. the surface and sex stuff mm-hmm. and seedy sex stuff is on the surface a lot more. Oh yeah, because the reason that Ralph gets him that gig is so that he can have an alibi, and so it's Eddie's job to go to all of the patrons and set their watches back to the time that the crime was allegedly committed, and he says, did you set their watches back? He said, I tried, but their hands were moving too fast. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, uh. I mean, uh, It's a good thing that uh, Abe yeah. knows uh, how to tell how time. To tell time. <laughs> I thought of that too. <laughs> That was my first thought. Before I even got the dirtiness of the joke, I was like, oh, I tried, but I couldn't tell time because I didn't have Mike to teach me, Mm. guide me oh so gently into the world of grownups who can Mm -hmm. read an Mm -hmm. analog watch. Oh, sidebar. (laughs) Is that a pizza rug? A pizza rug. Okay, I I couldn't tell if it was just a very strange pattern. They have this round rug, and I couldn't tell if it just happened to be yellowish and red patterned or if it's meant to be like a pepperoni pizza. So, which rules? Yeah, his his apartment is very interesting because obviously, again, mm-hmm. to, I, we keep comparing everything to the young ones, but, you know, it, it makes sense because they're kind of like sister shows, I think, or daughter shows if you're real filthy. I can't believe, okay, I'm going to need to look that up. But, um, so, you know, in the young ones, they're living in this really filthy, decrepit, literally falling apart house. But this obviously is much nicer because he has money, but it's also very weirdly decorated. Like there is a literal car door hanging on one of the walls in the kitchen, and then, like, a fake goose hanging just above the sink. And it just kind of reminds me of... 
I don't know, like one of those restaurants where they just have a whole, like a shitty chain where there's like, oh, random mm-hmm. crap on the walls because we can. And I think that probably when a lot of um, like stupid people with no taste get money suddenly, they will spend it on, like there's that great episode of Friends where Joey gets cast as Drake Ramore and he moves out from Chandler's apartment. And so he buys like all of these like weird ceramic and lucite animals because he thinks that's what rich people are supposed to do and that's what constitutes classiness. And that's completely what Richie's got a pizza rug and a fake goose and a car door in his apartment. Because why the fuck mm-hmm. not? Who's going to mm-hmm. who's gonna contradict yeah, him? Yeah, but the, the pizza rug yeah. is pretty cool though. Oh, yeah. All right, so your your favorite episode was the game show episode. I also really liked episode five because that had sort of a... I don't want to say that it had a clear plot, but it had a clear setup. Oh, that for one what was really funny was too. That episode. one was really funny too. I love those are probably my two favorites. Um, so Ralph has a, a dirty book that he wants to plug on morning television. He he basically describes it as like a Kama Sutra, but for one. So it's like a it's like a yes. pamphlet about how to masturbate, I guess, and uh, <laughs> which is great. I mean, why not? And so when he's refused. He tells Richie that he's got a job for him. And the scene where he reveals that he's gotten this job for him is just one of my favorite things on the whole show because it's so over the top. Now, Filthy, tell me and tell me true. Have you really, honestly, cross your heart and hope to die, got me a genuine, genuine showbiz job? Yes. <gasps> a big. Enorm. Enorm! You, Mr. Richard Rich. Yes! You old trooper, you. Yes! You old hellraiser, you. Yes! You, you mad drunken dog of the theatre. Ruff, ruff, ruff! <laughs> you are going to read the gossip columns on breakfast television tomorrow morning. But his call time is at 4.30 a.m. But, dude, the way that he reacts yeah. to the news that he is going to read the gossip column... Oh, no, I know. It makes me he laugh so becomes, hard. <sighs> okay, Rick, Rick Mayall is also not afraid of appearing extremely feminine. Extremely feminine. Oh, the way he reacts to this news when he starts rubbing his fingers through his hair and throwing back his head, yes. I'm going to read the gossip. <laughs> He's just so excited that he gets to do that as if that's what he was born to do. That that killed me. Oh, yes. yeah. No, it's so it's such a good reveal. And so then the challenge is that they need to be there at 4.30. So they decide they're going to have a nice quiet night in and they're not going to misbehave and stay out late. But Eddie keeps pushing for them to go out and have a yes. little drinky. And so, of course, they end up go having lager frenzy and then vodka frenzy. And they go to they drink in a number of clubs. And they go to an Indian um, restaurant. But then it ends up backfiring. And they actually, by staying up all night, they do make it to the studio on time. And it is revealed that Filthy specifically gave them that challenge of getting there at 4.30 because he thought that they wouldn't make it. And so then he could plug his dirty book yeah. on the air. There's an incredible moment it's where so they've good. been on this bender and then they go to an Indian restaurant because they're starving. And oh, yes. Richie starts worrying about the show. And Eddie asks him, do you know the story of the tortoise and the hare? And so clearly you think he's going to go into some kind of stupid drunken retelling of, you know, taking things, you know, one minute at a time and not stressing out. Mm -hmm. But the way he tells the fucking story of the tortoise in the air, he opens by saying, there was once this really kinky tortoise. (laughs) There are tortoise. There was once a really (laughs) kinky tortoise. I was laughing too hard and like I skipped a couple bits, but he he says there was a really kinky tortoise. He used to work in the lingerie department of Marks and Spencer's. (laughs) He tries on all the bras. (laughs) (laughs) So fucking 
fucking dumb. And yeah. And then they show up at the television studio completely yeah. fucking wasted. Oh god, yeah, we have to play we have to play that clip. It's so it's so perfectly silly. Richard, have I ever told you the story about the tortoise and the hare? <laughs> Is it a dirty one? Uh, no, that's a story about the tortoise and the donkey. Oh. Tell me that one, Ben. <laughs> All right, then. There was once this really kinky tortoise. <laughs> I'm seriously into M&S. <laughs> M&S? Marks and Spencers. <laughs> he used to work in the lingerie department. <laughs> anyway, his supervisor, the donk, Donk. Donkey. Oh, yeah. I used to think he was a really conscientious worker. But really, the tort was coming in early to try on all the bras and try on all the mitts. <laughs> I think I'd better tell a story about the tortoise and the hare. Well, you mean you haven't got a punchline? Yeah, that too. But so then... He shows up, he's trying to read the newspaper, he's way too drunk to do it correctly. The episode ends up as a to-be-continued, with him and Eddie about to moon the television audience as they're about to be arrested. Yes. (laughs) To-be-continued on their little butts. To-be-continued, oh my god. And so then in the finale, it starts with them in a courtroom scene. And again, it gets like kind of vaguely but stupidly political where the judge cites, he sentences them to be shot under the criminal evidence anti-terrorist the police can do what they bloody well like bill. Yes. Lots of like little anti-Thatcher, anti-right-wing bashing. And, um, and then Filthy jumps into their defense and in doing so gets them off but is himself sentenced to hang. Yes, they and, reinstated hanging. And meanwhile, so Eddie and Richie, their punishment is that they need to have proper jobs and so they decide that they are going to become journalists and that's how they meet this Rupert Murdoch character, Dingo. And they decide that they need to stage a photo, like a scandal photo op and frame and blackmail a celebrity and photograph him with a goat or an underage chicken or something and publish the the photos in a paper called The Daily Bastard, which, perfect. Yeah, and the Murdoch guy specifically tells them to go after Bob Geldof because mm-hmm. Bob Geldof has inspired, you know, the UK and, and the world to think about impoverished people in third world countries via things mm-hmm. like Live Aid. So Murdoch is afraid that people are going to become hip to the fact that it's actually people in power who exploit the people of third world countries. And so they've got to go after Geldof. But they couldn't yeah. get Bob Geldof on the TV show. <laughs> so they actually yes. have to go after somebody else. And the way they make fun of the pronunciation of this guy's name is so funny because the guy is Scottish as fuck and um he's also someone that i don't believe has much of a following in a in the united states or outside yeah, no, of I, the I uk midger <laughs> but they keep yeah. saying midger like he's french and i'm like wait how yeah, the fuck do you like say this person's name practically vomiting his name midge <laughs> it's great and so then the way that it ends is that they decide that in order for richie to get back on top they are going to print a bunch of lies about every single person in show business so that he then is the only person left in show business who has enough of a clean moral slate to be allowed on television. So he is then in everything and he's finally made it. Oh my God, it's like Donald Trump. <laughs> oh shit. Oh, you ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> no, because if you think about it like, oh my God, I'm sorry. 
I don't even... No, 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 it's fine. No, make it political. Make our stupid podcast episode political, just like this show is sometimes sneakily political well, and topical. It's, it's just, you know, it's just so funny because here's Richie. He has killed many milkmen and he's <laughs> he's an asshole who goes to the store and thinks that he can buy what he needs just by virtue of being famous, even though he's not really currently working. And yeah. all he really has going for him recently is the occasional appearance on a game show or an idea for a game show formula. Or maybe they gave him a crack at, you know, reading the gossip column on television. And yet somehow he figures out a way to make everybody else look like they're worse. That's, yeah. And therefore, you know, I don't know, somehow little Marco and Lion Ted and all the other people that that he's able to sort of bring down, declare himself the victor and then he takes over the airwaves when he he deserves absolutely, ugh. Yeah. Oh, man. That's depressing. I think I would still rather have Richie as president. Oh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and then, as you said, Eddie, in the final scene, as the credits begin to roll, he starts to knock down the entire set, which is, you know, an equally chaotic and anarchic ending as the young ones. But instead of it being them all crashing and dying, you know, while plunging from a cliff, <laughs> uh, it's like a happy ending that also ends with complete destruction of the entertainment business and his apartment. Yeah, it, it ends with Richie watching his own show and, and he gets to see the whole lineup of what's on TV and everything is about him. Mm-hmm. But I did love his little song and dance at the end when he's when he's hosting his, his variety show. Yes. Hello, mums. Hello, dads. Hello to all the family. This is going to be a difficult shag Mary kill for me. I haven't made any conclusions, but shall we attempt it? I was thinking the same thing this morning as I was waiting for my salmon tartine. It could go any number of ways because they all kind of deserve to die. Yes. But who's who? What, what, what do we do here, Stephanie? What do we do? Well, OK, I feel like if you opt to marry someone in this game, we brought this up once with Father Ted, like we were talking about, well, would it be better to just marry Ted and step out on him with Dougal, or would it be better to just sort of marry Jack because he's just drunk all the time and you don't have to do anything? Like, we had that conversation, (laughs) so I just want to know, like, let's hypothetically say that if I opted to marry Filthy, (laughs) would I have to live with him? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I have have these questions of, you know, could I divorce him immediately? Like, what are the actual rules there? See, I don't, I've never been too clear on that. I feel like if you can divorce someone immediately, then that doesn't really count as marriage within the game. Because, like, that, I know. Then that's not really, I don't know. Oh, God. I'm going to make up a rule, pull it out of my ass. You have to be married for at least five years if you're going to be 
married in this game. Goodness. He's probably not going to live that long. He always says that he's going to die. Well, and then we have the added, you know, the shit that we had with the young ones and wanting to sleep with Rick, but also acknowledging that he's disgusting. Like, like Eddie's very cute. I think Aid Edmondson is adorable, but he's always Mm -hmm. talking about you know, what a mess he is, and he's always farting, and I don't want to have sex with that person. <laughs> like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Don't be so hypocritical. We just talked last week about how it should be okay for a woman to fart in front of her partner, so is it really any worse if a man does in front of his? You understand the, the frequency in, in, in which, I don't know. <laughs> no, I do understand. With which it's Eddie not, displays it's not the any, any number of disgusting qualities. Um, Yeah. I feel like I could argue this to go any number of ways. You know, if you just if you just look at their names, it would seem like the answer should be kill filthy, marry rich, and fuck cat flap. Like it's in their names, right? Because there's the really immoral degenerate one who's you know maybe a, a pimp of children and has his fingers in all sorts of really shady pies, and then you know the dumb and annoying celebrity pseudo celebrity who is, you know, constantly cash poor, but does seem to live in a pretty nice flat. Like, it might not be the worst thing to marry him and then just kind of ignore him as best you could, despite all of his manic energy. And then, okay, wait, okay, so can we talk about, can we talk about their names? Catflap. That... (laughs) Is, Is that like a dog door? It is, it is. But it also sounds, like, really dirty. I know. And... And, like, I'm not sure if it's supposed to, like, it, to me it sounds vaginal, but it could also be, like, a euphemism for asshole. I tried, I tried looking up some sort of, like, urban dictionary thing. I couldn't find anything definitive about it. But I just sort of wonder why that's his name. It makes sense that filthy is filthy and rich is rich. But Catflap is just sort of an odd, it's an odd choice to round out that trio. Yeah, well, they usually refer to him as Eddie. They don't really refer to him as Catflap. That's true. But I mean, it is, it is in the title of the show. And I feel like every time I've mentioned like, oh, what are you recording this week, Kaylee? I say the name and they're like, what? What the hell is that? Yeah, because we don't, yeah, we would just call it a cat door, a pet door, or a dog door. We don't use the word Catflap in the U.S. So yeah. when I first heard, I was like, oh, that sounds filthy. Mm-hmm. No, so. I, th- I think it still does probably sound filthy. You know, Eddie it's, does have I'm the sure best politics. Oh, yeah, that's true. Because Richie is, is like, kind of right-wing. Okay, hmm. well, shit, does that mean I marry Eddie, fuck Richie, and kill Filthy? Oh, man. I honestly think that I could make an argument for any combination. Okay, so, like, Richie, Richie should die because he is a murderer and because he is talentless and annoying and has bad politics. They are all accessories to the murder, though. None of they're them all, care that all, all of those people are dead. They don't care, but I think that there is still a difference between being the person who's trying to cover for your client and being the person who actually kills five people actively, you know? It was an accident every time. It was an accident for the middle two times. Well, he didn't mean to kill the first milkman. He just meant to incapacitate him. Okay. So let's say manslaughter or second degree murder. (laughs) It's still not great. (laughs) Um, The last one's definitely a real murder. But I don't know. And then filthy again. So immoral. But maybe, like you said about Father Jack, like, if you marry him, he'll die soonest out of these ones, probably. Mm-hmm. And then, I guess I, I don't know if I'd want to kill Eddie, but also because he is the, apart from Richie's maybe sometimes accidental murder record, 
he's the most violent, kind of like Vivian. And I remember I killed Vivian in our young ones, Jag Mary Kill. So yeah. maybe, maybe instead of thinking about who I should most want to kill, because that's usually how I figure this out, I should figure out who I most want to have sex with, because... Ugh. I don't I don't really want to have sex with any of these people, I think is what's throwing me off the most. Yeah, I mean, I guess this is going to sound really like STD shaming and stigmatizing, but Richie, by virtue of being a virgin and also by virtue of him, like the other two we know have STDs, I might just, I might just have to fuck Richie because Filthy has syphilis and because Eddie has that rash that we don't know what it is. Got it. That's true. Okay, shit. And also, because he's a virgin, it would probably be over pretty quickly. So that's painless. I kind of feel like it doesn't matter if we give a definitive answer on this one. What <laughs> does it? Does anything that we do really matter in the big picture? Yes. I don't know. I think that we should we should make some answers that we commit to, even if we later feel bad about them or go back on them, like I did with my red dwarf. I don't necessarily stand by those answers, but I wanna I wanna get something okay on the books. Well, Richie, as you said, is the only one that does not have a communicable disease, and he's got some money, so maybe he's really the only person worth marrying. Yeah, that's probably true. And syphilis, you can treat with. I mean, you can like get inoculated. So maybe I'd fuck filthy and kill Eddie. Yeah, no, even that, though... that sounds good. Yeah. Sy- syphilis, you can treat. He will yeah. probably be drunk anyway. So he wouldn't like if you were like, I'm going to put this condom on you. He'd be like, OK, y- yeah. you know, like nothing. Yeah, no, it's true. And again, and he's he's very he's the most low energy of all of them. And he's not violent. He's a bad dude, and that's why I wouldn't want to marry him, but his badness is, like, all kind of delegated to other people. But yeah, I really I really don't want to have sex with someone who might, like, you know, knock me over the head or, like, make something explode or crash through a wall while we're making love. I don't know. So yeah, I think okay. Kill Eddie, no. Mary Richie. I, I like I, I like this. I like okay, that. Okay, cool, cool. <laughs> we're, we're on. We're off. We, we did it. We got it done. Whew. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was worried about that. But really, like, I just, I love these characters so much, even though we just established that they're all terrible people and murderers and accessories to murder. Again, when we were talking about crashing and how much we hated Antony and Lulu because they're realistic people and they're realistically shitty, but these guys are so, so not even remotely human. No. Like, there's no one that I know. We all know a Rick. We all know a Neil. I don't know any of these three people. Maybe no. I'm just not deep enough into show business. <laughs> but um, but I count myself lucky that I don't know anybody who really resembles any of these people. Yeah. And so as a result, I can love them because they aren't bringing up any triggering memories of, of you know, horrible encounters with real life monsters. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking at a note under episode 105 when Filthy is on the phone and he's in a broom closet and he is trying to write the single person's guide to sex and he's flirting with the person on the phone and he says come hither and screw me to the wall you whirlwind of sauce you <laughs> like that's that's his flirtatious line i think it's so something i love i think about ben elton in general mm-hmm. his writing is you know, the dude is clearly intelligent. The dude is clearly an incredible, you know, liberal, very politically informed. Um, mm-hmm. 
And he can write these incredible lines, but he's also perfectly happy for his leading men to scream, let's party and just do a dance on the couch. No, it's true. He can hit you over the head with how good he is at crafting a line, how enraged he is about, you know, Thatcherite England or mm-hmm. or no, or there is a pizza rug and we're going to have this television explode four times and there's a guy with a rash on his bum. It's it's so no. it's good. It's good. It's true. You really, in just about everything of his that I've seen, you see the full range of his intelligence, much like what we talked about with Monty Python. There's the immature little things that an elementary school would laugh at. An elementary school. An elementary schooler would laugh at. And then there's the more educated, erudite, oh, like a hot button political issue, topical reference. And uh, yeah, no, it's, it's delightful. I'd say that this is a show that you have to be... You have to have the right style of humor and be in the right mood to receive it. Like, my mom watched a couple episodes this week, and she really didn't like it. And I was really disappointed because she loves the young ones. Obviously, she's the one who introduced us to the young ones. But she said that, you know, as much as Mike is not her favorite, she felt like when the balance is two over-the-top, always-yelling characters versus one sort of low-key one... It just makes it that much more exhausting to watch. And okay, I understand Kaylee, where she's coming from, but I didn't, that wasn't my experience. It, it, it was you're nodding, kind so. of mine. Oh, okay. I didn't want to open with that because I'm not leading with my criticism of the show, but I okay. definitely had moments where I needed a break, whereas I feel like I never need a break from the young ones. I get that. But I kind of had moments where I needed a break. I kind of had moments where I thought, and they're screaming again. And again, I love them and I grew up watching them and everything I've said about them that is positive, I mean. But I too kind of thought, all right, this is where I could use a little Christopher Ryan. This is where I could use a musical break. This is where I could use a little bit of an interlude. And, um, you know, again, I don't want to sound like a big stupid hypocrite because I've just talked about how I do love the childishness and I do love Mm -hmm. the meandering and then really intense plot, and then, oh, it's over, and a cake's gonna explode. Of course I like all that, but when I do put this up against the young ones, if I had to choose one for my desert island, it's young ones hands down. Oh, of course. But I also don't know if I need to really revisit this one again. Wow. Oh, okay, That's, that's interesting. I don't know that I agree with that, because I... I agree. It's sort of unfair sometimes when a group of people comes together and they make something that's so fantastic and so groundbreaking and so unlike anything else that we've seen before. And then their sophomore project together is inevitably a little bit of a let, not a letdown. It's just that it's in the shadow of the first thing. And maybe it's like more and bigger. It's like a, you know, like a sequel in a franchise. It's like more of the same things that you like, but there's less of that element of surprise and originality. And it's like louder and some gags are funnier and some fall a little flatter. I I mean, I think it's just a, you have to take it on its own terms. And I obviously I think that The Young Ones is perfect. Like I've got my scumbag college sweatshirt. I have posters of all four characters in my hallway. That's definitely a Desert Island show for me. This isn't, but I still would be happy to rewatch it like probably any time. Okay. I mean, I only saw it for the first time last summer yeah i think it was after we had recorded our episode of the young ones i had never heard of it before watching the episode of comedy connections about it Mm -hmm. and i was like oh my god this looks fantastic it just had like little clips here and there and i love those three actors and i love ben elton and uh and i do love what they made together in this really weird little show that again i understand why it never made it across the pond why it only aired once in the uk why it wasn't released on dvd until like maybe 2012 but I think that it's a really fun ride. And it's one of my favorite shows that we've talked about this season, I think. Okay, okay. I mean, um, I'll never know what it 
would have been like to see this show before seeing the young ones because sure. I don't just want to compare it to the young ones. I know there was a different episode of this podcast where I said this is where we owe an apology to Christopher Ryan because there's no straight man and you can really feel it. But I forget what we were talking about. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Yeah, that's what it was. I had a very um a very kind of similar reaction to that show as I did, I think, to this one, which was that I did yeah. eventually start to feel the fatigue of two loud, outrageously funny people um, mm -hmm. yelling at each other. But you and I disagreed on that one, too. You said that you thought that the stronger episodes of Gimme, Gimme, Gimme were just the two leads, and I disagreed. I said I started to feel a little bit claustrophobic when it's just them yelling at each other. Yeah. Um, well, so, but those episodes... Oh, no, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, so it's like, I don't want to just sit and watch Gimme, Gimme, Gimme and go, oh, this isn't Ab Fab, or, you know, this isn't no, any course. other you know, great, iconic, early yeah. 90s thing involving Kathy Burke somehow that's vaguely mm -hmm. gay and, you know, pop culture-y. <laughs> but yeah, sure. I did maybe have a similar reaction to these two shows. I get that. I mean, it's it's interesting. It's sort of like talking about Crashing last week. We found it impossible for it not to be in Fleabag's shadow, even though that preceded Fleabag, or at mm -hmm. least the, the television program of Fleabag. You know, the thing that you see an actor in first, I think that that can sort of color your view of them in other projects and the other things, especially if they're also writing them. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think, I don't know, I, th I think that if you just take this show on its own terms and forget about the young ones entirely, I think it's great. I think it's really, really fun and really silly. And it makes me laugh a lot, which is kind of the whole point right. of comedy, if I dare say. But that is an impossible task, to forget the young ones. If you forget the young ones exist, this is great. Like, that's that's an impossible task, right? No, but I don't mean, well, but I mean, even if you remember, uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's kind of like, I know that you can't actually make yourself forget. And even if you could, why would you want to? But it's like when a movie comes out that's an adaptation of a book that you love. You just have to take it as a completely separate thing. And one doesn't ruin the other. It's just, it's its own thing. The book is still there. The book still speaks for itself. And maybe the movie isn't as good, but there's magic to be found in the movie that isn't found in the book. Well, yeah, know? of course. And I don't think that this show's inferiority to the young ones informs my overall opinion of it. I think that your mom's take is kind of similarly my take, although I didn't give up on it. And I don't think that I would have given mm -hmm. up on it even if I didn't have to talk about it with you. But I think, yeah, there was a certain, uh, there was an imbalance. I didn't find this maybe... Maybe it's because I also had to binge it. I didn't find this as bingeable because there was a sort of mm. shouty, silly fatigue. Maybe I would have liked to have Got watched it. an episode every two days as opposed to trying to get all six watched in a relatively short amount of time. Ah, uh, okay. You know, she brings up a good point about Christopher Ryan is all. And that's not to say that Mike would have made this better or a Christopher Ryan character would have made this better or that I needed a copy of The Young Ones, but... But yeah, I'm mm -hmm. I'm in agreement with her on on a lot of that is is all. All right. Well, fuck y'all. No, I'm kidding. Your opinion is valid and I completely okay. understand. It. Um that's cool. I I get it. Oh uh, god, I mean, I actually kind of am really curious to hear what people say about this one because it is a show that you hear about less obviously over here and even in just um people tweeting at us and recommending things. This is not a title that comes up in an overwhelming amount like when people say, "Oh, are you yeah. going to are you going to cover this 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 and that?" No, I, I don't know if anyone's yeah. been like, "Please fill the original cat flap ASAP." Yeah. Um so yeah. <laughs> so I am curious to hear 
A, if anybody remembers this one, anybody who listens to us remembers it, or what they think, where their opinion falls, where they're they're with you or or not. You know, you might have overwhelming yeah. support from all of our listeners. Okay, so. can I say something that might be controversial and I want to know whether you agree or not? I like Filthy Rich and Cat Flap better than what I've seen of Bottom. I haven't seen all of Bottom yet, but I this is more in line with my style of humor than Bottom is. Okay, I mean... That's funny to me because, again, it's them doing this in a house. Yes, but minus Nigel. So there's even less of a, not straight man, but a low-key person to balance out Well, I am really curious to see how I enjoy Bottom Ew, uh. when, when we do eventually cover it. Because I know that I went <laughs> on a huge Rick Mayall binge after he passed away in 2014. And I bought the Bottom DVDs and I bought the New Statesman. And um, I think I watched all of season one of Bottom for the first time since I was maybe 17 or 18. And I think I enjoyed it more than I did when I was a teenager because I saw what they were doing a little bit better. I saw the weird kind of waiting for Godot existential angst of all of it that just kind of simmers beneath the insane Rick and Aid shit that they're doing. Mm -hmm. So my point is, you saying that just now has not uh, inspired any feeling of how dare you (laughs) or or anything (laughs) like that. No, I, I was I was just wondering yeah. where it ranked and you and maybe I'll watch the rest of Bottom and, and disagree with myself. Again, apples and oranges. Uh, I would love to eat a delicious fruit salad with all of these different flavors, <laughs> different but mostly the same flavors and not compare them. I, I love them all. I mean, I am a little bit curious about what a season two would have looked like because they do make a cheeky joke oh, in yeah. the end of the sixth episode where, you know, Filthy is sentenced to hang and he does hang. You see him hang from a noose, but then he wakes up and says, you know, what do you mean? I can't be dead. I have to come back for the second season. And mm-hmm. then there there was not one. So I am, I am curious to know what other kind of ridiculous hijinks they would have gotten into. And... You know, I would have I would have watched it. Who knows? It's not that I dislike this show. I do want to make it clear, but I couldn't just accept all of it and go, yes, yes, brilliant, every bit of this. I, I was kind of going, guys, you're silly. I'm going to put this on pause. Whereas I was going, guys, you're silly. Keep it coming, please. <laughs> just different <laughs> yes, takes yes. on the same thing. Some episodes more than others, you know. I mean, I really yeah, sure. loved Breakfast TV. I really loved uh, Death in the Family. Same. As you said, you can kind of tell that they are just having the time of their lives or they, they are catering to, to thyselves. And that is awesome. <laughs> I love that they were able yeah. to do that because, you know, even though this wasn't my favorite, I would take something balls out and daring and fucked up and weird like this over formulaic, you know, watered down shit that is just churned out Mm -hmm. for the sake of going into syndication any day. I agree with that. They had a very specific and bizarre vision that was entirely crafted for themselves and they stuck to it by God. Yeah. Power to them. I mean, for as much incredible TV as there is out there right now, thanks to streaming Mm -hmm. platforms and thanks to television and cable trying to sort of keep up with that. If you dig, I guess there are cool things like this. And if you look at the bizarre shit that comes across Adult Swim, you'll see things like this. But yeah, generally speaking, for there to be huge comedy stars of the day Mm -hmm. doing this kind of bizarre shit on a major television network, that is something I would love to see more of because you just don't. Absolutely. Which brings up the question, is there an American equivalent? My answer is no. (laughs) But if we if we try to dig, is there anything that even comes to mind remotely? I mean, I think that it's similar to when we talked about 
the young ones, I immediately think of anarchic 90s cartoons. Um, sure. But otherwise, sure. nothing comes um, immediately to mind. Same here. So then it is it is pretty much unique, with the exception of being compared to its its older sister show, which is fine. I have no idea what we're talking about next time. Well, good for you that I'm here then, because uh, yes. next time we're going to be talking about camping. <gasps> I almost said crashing because it is, it sounds, it's got the K and the ing. Right. Similar, but different letters in the I middle. I was trying to remember for the life of me. Okay, I'm kind of stoked. I am too. I've only seen one episode, but I liked that one episode. I've only seen so... two episodes of the American remake, which made me want to pull my teeth oh and hair out. Oh God. Well, don't watch any more than that because it'll be hard for you to talk without Oh, I did teeth. stop because I really like my hair and I need my teeth. So there yeah, we go. Yeah, I like your hair and teeth too. <laughs> cool. No, stoked. <laughs> to stoke to circle back and watch camping all right fellas if you miss us or if you want to go ahead and give us your uh, wholehearted authentic opinion about filthy rich and cat flap please tweet at us at anglo podcast that's also our instagram handle you can find us on facebook by searching anglophilia you can check out anglophiliapodcast.com send us an email at anglophiliapodcast at gmail.com and also go ahead and donate to our patreon just search for Anglophilia. We've got some exclusive content up there, including a pretty incredible breakdown of the 90s classic Spice World. I watched a porn for you guys. I watched a porn. Yeah. So give us your cash or we'll... Oh, God damn it. What's the line? You'll be pushing up daisies in a concrete overcoat with your pockets full of pebbles being carried out of here in a box. Hashtag nailed it. <laughs>